everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Earthborn Games podcast. As you can see, the two guys are in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, are, we are recording on a different day than we normally record. And, uh, and a different time. Yeah, and uh, on Thursdays, uh, Andrew usually comes over to my place and we'll do playtesting or other just in-person work. So uh, it's one of those days, so we figured we'd record here. The microphone setup's a little jank, so I'm sorry if it's a little more echoey than it normally is. Yeah, it sounds fine. You guys eating some chili and some bear over there? <laughs> <laughs> is that a comment? Not eating bear yet. <laughs> Andrew Wait, just, it's, Fisher just told me he's about to eat some bear tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm sorry if, uh, uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, offend anybody too bad, but yeah. my, my a friend of mine, one of his employees... You can enter in a lottery every year to get a license to hunt a single bear. And I think they set kind of the lottery based on how many bears are allowed to be hunted that year. And so his employee hunted, won this lottery this year and hunted the bear with a bow and arrow and uh, gave some of it to my, my buddy. And so we're going to cook up some bear steaks or something and wow. uh, oh, eat so some bear tomorrow night. So it's bear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's hardcore, right? At the very least, like it feels a little more sporting than shooting the bear with a. Oh yeah, there must be some tracking involved too, like you know, following blood trails and all that. I I'm not sure, actually. I, I assume the bear doesn't just drop dead right there from an arrow, <laughs> right? I don't, if fantasy movies are any indication, you get hit by an arrow once and then you're done. You just die <laughs> on the spot. You know what? That reminds me. You know what I also hate about in fantasy movies when there's like a, a sword battle. It's the move of like the slice across the chest. Uh -huh. They're all they're all armored up, and then just like one slice across the chest, it's dead. And then blah. It's that sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the movie, right? I always think of uh, when I think of sword fighting. Have you ever seen uh, Rob Roy? Uh, who's in that again? Liam Neeson. Okay, yeah, maybe when I was young. Yeah, he he. There's a he 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 does some damage with his sword that is like is burned in my brain of like slicing through a dude. Effectively oh, oh like, like right in the shoulder, all the way like okay. Down from well, that's <laughs> that. It's like Tim Roth, I think, is the villain in that film. That I will accept because you we're seeing like what is happening. He's literally chopping the dude in half. Yeah, but it's when it's just kind of like a slash on the chest. Yeah, then they spin off. They spin like, out. Yep, they always spin away. <laughs> <laughs> what is that Add a little cg blood in there and, and <laughs> yeah. go. that's i did great. watch uh the other day i've been watching like in the evenings i've been really feeling like doing very little uh so i've been putting on just a movie just to watch and i've been diving back into older stuff and i uh watched the jason momoa conan because oh. i watched that there's a Jason Momoa Conan movie? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Where he plays Conan? He plays Conan. When did this come out? Uh, Ten years ago. Wow. Ish. Wow. Went right over my yeah. head. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of that, let's just say. <laughs> the slice and spin? Yeah. Uh, good old slice and spin. I don't know. This conversation is telling me that it would really only be sporting if this guy had hunted the bear. With a sword? With a sword. <laughs> And sliced it across the chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a I'll go back video. and tell them I don't want to eat bear until it's been killed in hand-to-hand -hand combat. With a 
broad had to sword. wrestle it, choke it out. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the only way to make it ethical. And it tastes better that way too. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how that beer tastes. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. The weirdest thing, the weirdest animal I ever had was a, was horse sashimi. Have I mentioned this on this podcast? I think so. Horse. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, in Japan, like horse sashimi. Interesting. It's a thing. It's not very good. Yeah, it, sound, it doesn't sound like it'd be good. It sounds like it'd be very tough. It yeah. was. It was impossible to chew, to swallow. Um. Anyway, we've got uh, we've got Andrew Navarro here as well. We've been talking to you. Like you're introduced, yeah, I, right? I didn't wait for my. I didn't do the podcast <laughs> thing and wait to speak until my name was spoken. <laughs> right. We're just chatting. You're in the same room. Yeah. What are we supposed to do. You guys, what, you, so what have you guys been up to today? Is that, should we wait to talk about it? No, we can talk, talk about it. it. You know, I feel like let's get straight to since it. we're a different, different time, different day, different time of day, like it feels really loose. I was just telling Fisher, like usually at the end of the days when we do this, like in the evening and like all the work is done. Uh, there's been maybe a little bit of break in between mm-hmm. like doing work. We've eaten dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> doing this like in the middle like we're like right in the flow of working mm. like we literally just came from play testing the expansion we, um, we we just lost we just lost yeah in the finale by one yeah oh it was so close yeah <laughs> but that's what it. you want i think so i think uh, yes. the last time we played it was uh, a little too easy mm. this time we made it much more difficult and it was difficult that was the goal make more a little more difficult What's like an example yeah, of like, a tweak you might make to make it just that much more difficult? What did you say? What's like what's an example of just like what's something you might tweak to make it? Oh, just there's a little all more... sorts. Rangers yeah. has all sorts of like what is often referred to as knobs and levers, hmm. things you can push, pull, and turn to change the difficulty. Yeah, it's a little. So there's some really straightforward things like uh, each card has a threshold, uh, the progress thresholds or harm thresholds. And so you can increase those. Those are pretty granular to just make things a little more difficult. But for our tests, we're looking at more fundamental knobs and levers, and those can swing the difficulty wildly, like changing a challenge effect, those things that trigger on cards that cause like all sorts of different things to occur will come up with new challenge effects that interact with the other cards and those challenge effects, those interactions then cascade to cause new difficulties or mm-hmm. change the win condition to um, require you to manipulate the board in some other way. And so in this testing, it's less about that fine tuning of just changing some values and more about reconceptualizing your goals and how the board is moving to make sure the experience is fun, but also feels challenging in a like engaging way that you can interact with. Mm-hmm. So it's it can be tricky, and it's hard to like categorize it to one thing. Like we changed so many different things today as we were kind of tweaking different parts of cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we landed and we came so close was pretty good. Though I, I was I was mad about it because we lost. I we. We were so close. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure other uh, ho- hobby game players can uh, commiserate with the experience of you're like sitting at this board and you're just trying to think, rack your brain for how do I get 
one more out of this. Is there some yeah. way, is there some reaction I'm missing? Like, is there a card I can play? Surely there's an answer somewhere. And then Andrew's just like, listen, it's good. We came within one. That means that, like, <laughs> the balance is getting there. Yeah. Instead, like, yeah. this is a good outcome, but the game player in me is like, no! <laughs> I don't want to lose. Yeah. No. I mean, that's what keeps you wanting to play more. Oh, I was so close, you know. Uh huh. Um, cool. How long did you guys play? A couple hours. A couple hours. Yeah. A couple hours. Okay. That's awesome. Um, well, do you want to just jump into like what else we've been working on? Yeah. You yeah, definitely. So, I, I I can start off. Um, well, obviously we've been play testing. Uh, right now we're we've been play testing the finales. Uh, these are the different ways that the kind of campaign story can end. And we, both on the core set and here, we paid some special attention to them. They're a little unique in our mission designs. Um, a lot of our other missions are meant to fit inside of the game experience with lots of other things. So you're trying to complete your mission while you're also traveling around. You're also doing side activities or doing all these different things. But our finales often are trying to be these singular climactic moments where the only thing you are doing is trying to complete this finale. And because of that, they're a lot more like a self-contained single scenario mm -hmm. than a lot of our other content in Rangers is. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, like, I feel like we need to tune in the balance a bit more because if one of our missions in the middle is a little easier, a little harder, players will play, you know, do less of the fewer of the side activities or more of the side activities to compensate for that dif change in difficulty. Whereas here, we need to present something that we think is an accurate challenge for players of this advancement level to play in a single day. So we've been, we've been playtesting those. Uh, been fun. Uh, I think we're getting closer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then along with that, I've been doing a bunch of other stuff involving uh, kind of a lot of the card finalization that we're doing. Uh, a lot of things that we're changing and moving have started to solidify. And that means that for other people who need to be aware of the cards we have, I need to complete some resources. So like Evan's working on all the art, obviously. And by the way, Evan's not up. here. If you haven't noticed, he's not here. Yeah. He's, he's working hard on the art. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, he's on assignment. Yeah. He's out, he's out on assignment. Um, but He's been working away at the art, but we haven't had the complete final list for him. So part of this finalization step was to figure out exactly where the bounds of what art, what the art is so that we can give Evan that final list and he can like know this is exactly how much more we need to do to be done with this product and stuff. So some of that, which isn't super interesting, it's mostly me staring at spreadsheets uh, trying to figure out how to take gameplay terms and then interpret it into descriptions that we can hand to artists and they'll understand like what this card is supposed to represent in the game and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm, I've been up to. Uh, with the 4th of July weekend, uh, we didn't have as long of a week last week. So uh, it's been mostly playtesting and spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hand it over to you there, Andrew. Yeah, so like, I, uh, you know, Evan's not here, but I've been working a lot on art pieces, a lot of his stuff this past week. 
Um, so he's he's moving into doing some uh, trying to determine which pieces he's going to do himself, and then this part of what Fisher was doing was finalizing that list so that we can decide how much of that is going to go back out to uh, to freelancers. Um, so I think he should have a good idea now of the stuff that he wants to do himself. Um, but we've been working a little bit on the new role pieces. Uh, I've been working on the new map for um, uh, for the expansion. Mm. I haven't put together a concept that was pretty cool. For uh, the underground, right? For the underground, yeah. We're cool. looking at a couple options. Like we have a kind of a top-down version that's more of the presentation of the existing map mm -hmm. um, where you came up with this cool way of creating depth through like kind of a reverse topography. Um, I guess it's still topography. You're just like, it's yeah. just showing yeah. the, 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 the depth as yeah. you go, as certain, certain things are farther. And it was, it was kind of like cool an looking. amazing cross section of the valley. Yeah. 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 Like you'd like sliced off the upper layer of the valley and then there were, there were, uh, chasms revealed is kind of how that, that you sounds cool. visualize that. Um, just and the other idea we have is a cross section where we'll change the perspective that you're looking at it, looking at more from the side, uh, where it shows the, the depth of the arcology more clearly. I think both have pluses and negatives. I think narratively speaking, the cross section works a little bit better, but visually I really like the depth of the top down. So it's, mm -hmm. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> why does the why does do? the side why does the 2d one work better for storytelling uh because it, it gives you a clear goal is that the there's a chamber at the at the bottom I of see. the of the map that's like as soon as you open the map you're like oh well, we want to go down there hmm. like mm -hmm. it's very clear and a lot of the campaign is about getting to that place so when you look at the top-down one, it doesn't have that same effect. Hmm. It's a little bit, I don't know. It's just not as obvious. Underwhelming. It's not quite, yeah. it's not quite as intriguing. Right. But I think there's a way we can maybe make it intriguing with the top-down. We just have to do some repositioning of where some of the icons are that uh, uh, don't interfere with the path connections we've created. That's yeah. the challenge. It's, uh, this is kind of a challenge of trying to visually draw the player's interest to different parts on the map and kind of drive their interest that way. Yeah. And so like in video games, uh, what's the term they use in map design? Weenies is a, a common <laughs> Weenies? way. Weenies? Uh, it's hot, like hot dogs? Well, uh, I mean, I think it's more like phallic objects. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> oh, I see. So like when you're in like an open world game and there's a big tower. So for example, uh, Breath of the Wild, right? All of the towers... Lots are of these weenies. giant things that stick up above the other stuff. And so visually your eye is drawn to this and that's a weenie. And like, <laughs> it... <laughs> listen, I don't make up the terms. All right. I'd never heard of uh, it before, but it... <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> all right, fine. Well, you know, uh, it's just what you call where, them. It's where my brain went. Honey, I'm going to go see what that weenie is over there. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, that's like one type, but there's, there's lots of different techniques. Like if in video games, you might see a door lit up way brighter than any other door. And that kind of draws your interest and tells you to go that direction. This is a similar concept where in our map, we're trying to draw players' attentions to specific areas to be yeah. interested in exploring them. So 
these different approaches will probably necessitate different ways of solving that problem. But honestly, I think the map works either way. So yeah. it's just a matter of like, in the end, what we think will be cooler. Yeah. I do like the top down because it does retain the presentation. So there's consistency from map to map. Right. I think that's what I like the most about it. Yeah. Do it like a pop-up book. <laughs> yeah, sure. There you go. Pop-up book. Easy. Okay, that's rad. Yeah, nice and easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was in chip theory when they were R&Ding their pop-up book, and it was interesting. Um, <laughs> there are people who engineer them, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Just hire them. That seems like a fun job. Yeah. Pop-up pop book engineer. That dude, man, I wish I could remember his name, but man, so talented, so cool. Like, he Who are you talking about? I, I so when it. I worked at chip theory, oh yeah, um, we were working on a, uh, a pop-up book, which I think they've, they've already, they've since published. Published. Um, You're not breaking NDA right now? No, right? <laughs> Is it a game as well? It's also a game. Cool. It's one of those like ones that it started off as just a pop-up book with a few things, but then became like more and more game thing as <laughs> development went along. That's uh, awesome. But yeah, working with that pop-up book engineer was really, really cool. Um, he would just do all these uh, mock-ups with, with like plain paper. Too many bones? And videos of them. Yeah, like little prototypes. Uh, and even those looked super cool. Um, That's awesome. Is the game yeah, called, called Too Many Bones? Shale is the name of it. What's yeah. that? Not called Too Many Bones? Oh, yeah, the Odd Tom. Yeah, Tom Too Many Bones. Shale. Yeah, it's a Too Many Bones book. That's awesome. That, was um, it, is it is it cool? Is it worth? I never saw the final, oh, but the uh, mock-ups were really cool. So I can only imagine that it's cool in the end. The images of it here look look pretty sweet. I, I didn't find a perfect link to actually show on camera, but Same that, looks, here. that looks like it could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was fun uh, working on it a little bit. Um, no, wait, we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's also <laughs> very <laughs> You need to find a factory that does that as a specialty. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. So much work. Yeah, so uh, so that's the fun stuff I've been doing. The other stuff, um, I, I, I could share my the next chapter in, in me learning about international tax laws and exporting <laughs> and importing things. Uh, that's been fun. We, we were joking the other day that it's at this point you've gone beyond just a few chapters. I feel like you're into at least book two of learning about that. Yeah, man. It's so much. It, again, every time I think I've time i think i understand and had all the all the stuff figured out i learned more and that i haven't actually done that mm -hmm. uh, but we do have finally have our uk vat number we have our eori number so we can import into the country that's great uh i did learn however that the um eu registration i have was incorrect so i need to revisit that and get the correct numbers I blame the salespeople who I was talking to because I explained to them what I was doing, what our company was doing, and where we were manufacturing and what we needed. Uh, and I just think those sales guys just didn't know. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're importing goods into Europe." Well, yeah, everybody that, else. Yeah, that was the problem, right? Is that they're basically assuming that no, we're, we're importing instead of exporting. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, they're used to like most most companies, most American companies are selling a product. You're going to be manufacturing in China or maybe in the U.S. or you're not manufacturing in Europe. <laughs> right, right, right. So I think they were just assuming for some reason, which I still don't understand, uh, thinking back on our conversations. I just assumed they were giving me the right number because I told them what I what we did, mm -hmm. but they just didn't quite get it. Um, 
So I'm in the process of fixing that. Uh, hopefully that won't be too terrible. I fi finally getting the UK vet number and the EORI has helped give me confidence that I'll be able to do that also. <laughs> so mm -hmm. small victories. Um, and yeah, that's all in service of uh, fulfillment and shipping. Um, so we'll be posting a Kickstarter update uh, probably either the same day that this podcast goes up or the day after. Um, so I won't go into the, the, the same amount of details we will there. So if you want the full download on uh, where we are with fulfillment, just look for the update. But long story short, uh, our existing fulfillment partners were going to take too long um, to get the stuff out. So we've made changes <laughs> both in Europe and in the States to get things done faster. Um, and uh, and also without sacrificing quality of the experience uh, for the backer. So in Europe, I think is where it's most important at the moment um, because uh, our, German, uh, our German partner released the game to their pre-order people. Um, the original intent was for the intent was for the pre-orders and the and the and the backer rewards to go out pretty much at the same time. Um, you know, where the backers like at least getting to a point, a point where we could actually start shipping stuff out to backers before anything was released. And if they started to come out concurrently, I was fine with that. Um, but because of some miscommunications, uh, they ended up releasing before we were ready. Uh, so unfortunately for our German backers, um, the uh, people who ordered through Frost had got their stuff first. Um, so they already had it. So that, in some ways, that's, that's great for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the people have been playing the game and enjoying it, which is awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's not super cool for our German backers um, who supported the project. So... Uh, I wanted to pivot to try to get that done even faster if we could. So we ended up switching fulfillment partners in Europe and uh, those shipments should start to go out uh, starting on Monday. Um, so the, the fulfillment part we're using now is in Germany. It's called uh, Fulfillment Europe is the name of their. It's, <laughs> it's very, very clear what they do. Yeah, very straightforward naming. <laughs> uh, but they are also, uh, it's a person that I met at UK Games Expo. so. They were on top of mind um, and just reached out to see if they had capacity right now. And he did. So, uh, so that was pretty fortuitous. They're also Frosted's fulfillment partner. So their turnaround, their turnaround has been amazingly fast. Yes. So really all right now is we're just trying to get all the numbers finalized with Ludofact so that we can ship everything out. But the, or the shipment should leave Ludofact tomorrow. It's like two hours away so the shipment's going out and they'll be receiving it tomorrow so uh tomorrow as of this uh, as of this recording, of this recording yes. so today for all of you yes, listeners exactly <laughs> yeah it should be happening uh which means they'll be able to begin on monday um so our german backers will then have only lagged behind by about mm, nine ten days from the release of frosted which you know again still isn't ideal but isn't as bad as it could have been mm -hmm. um 
and then uh, and then then Europe will follow shortly thereafter. We're going to get everything onto con a container for the states, and um, I'll share as much as I can uh, in the update about the timeline there. But we're open September uh, for the states, um, and then August September for UK. Uh, we'll be working with Spiral Galaxy, which is a pretty well established uh, fulfillment partner in the UK. And then um, Australia, New Zealand, we're working with Etherworks. Uh, and that'll take a while because it's just so far away. Um, but I think we're looking at September, October for Australia, New Zealand. And yeah, so it's finally happening. <laughs> very, very exciting. It's finally done. I'm just like trying to will it. Like there's very, there's not a whole lot that I can do at this point. Um, because we have our uh, logistics partner, um, James Naylor, working with our factory, and it's mostly in their hands, and I can just help with information as needed. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, they're they're working they're working through it. They're working through it. Uh, let's just say Ludafact is very detail oriented, so they want a lot of information to be perfect before anything happens. Mm. So they just want to make sure they get it right. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's. I was hoping that shipment could go out earlier this week so that maybe we could start by the end of this week starting to ship out stuff. But there's been a lot of uh, crossing of T's and dotting of I's and making sure that the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> again and again. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's where that's sitting. So almost there, everybody. Almost We're almost there. there. We're almost there. Fall, like I said, it's a great fall game. Yeah, it is. It is a great, it is a great fall. I guess game. it was a great summer game last time. It is a great <laughs> fall game as well. It's a great game for any time. We 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 do appreciate everybody's patience. It's uh, you know, yeah, man. Well, all we can do is like, you know, I think the the people who are you know continue to be thoughtful and supportive and understanding. I think I really I really appreciate it. We all do because. I mean, it stresses it stresses us out a lot. This has not been a stress free experience in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I, I think the benefit is is that we we we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot uh, going through all this like post manufacturing stuff uh, about things that I'll definitely change, fix, uh, and plan for next time around where we hope like I can't say that nothing bad will happen again but at least we'll I think be better prepared and also communicate better to the backers to to, to be more accurate I hope with mm -hmm. uh with the dates that we put out there for when people can expect things now that I know all of the all the various things that could go wrong or differently hmm. between manufacturing and <laughs> mm -hmm. the game into people's hands. Uh, I feel like I'll be able to pad that date a lot better this time around where mm -hmm. we, if we come in early, then great, but plan more for more for complication than not. And I think that was the, for sure. the thing when as I've been like revising these dates as I continue to think like surely we won't have any more complications now so this is definitely <laughs> when things are going to happen but then there are just going to be more complications so i just 
need to like add weeks to everything that I that I say. Yeah, that's uh you know back when uh, I did scheduling at Fantasy Flight. You know we would always get estimations from all the team members and yeah. then just pad them by like twenty to thirty percent. Yeah, you know and like some people would be like, why are you adding all this padding when like they can clearly do it in their estimated time? And it's like, nope, that's like all unforeseen stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And honestly, it often was, the padding was still low. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah. I'm curious if this uh, podcast coming out bi-weekly makes people more patient or, or more impatient. I think it, oh, for the, just to get the to game. To get the game, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, like, I think that's the silver lining is like anyone who's frustrated is just excited to get the game. For sure. Um, and they just want it. Right. So and I if, get it. And if they're following along with us, they're getting so many details about the process. <laughs> and yeah, it's worth the price of the game more. alone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's, we've talked about it a bit where I think, you know, some of the, some of the difficulties, stresses we've had uh, with the community, a lot of them have come from a, because uh, of the rhythm and pace of information as it comes out from us versus Frosted Games, where Frosted Games is like every day sharing every possible thing, um, seemingly. And some people get irritated that, uh, you know, they're hearing about stuff from Frosted that they think they feel like they should be hearing from us first. And I don't disagree. Um, but at the same time, uh, we're not really, I, I, I think philosophically, I prefer to share things when I know a better idea of what the thing is, like the thing is that I'm sharing and I might get it wrong, but at least internally, I feel like I feel confident in sharing a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel of, like you have more complete information. Yeah, instead of like, if we shared stuff all the time, then man, there'd be so much whiplash. I think you just, depending upon the day, you might get very different information. Um, so I, I like to try to keep things quiet until we feel like we actually have something meaningful and, and impactful to share that then we can follow through on. Um, and I feel like that's from, you know, again, talking again about our previous experience, like at FFG, we would hardly ever talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, so from my perspective, talking, doing a bi-weekly podcast where we're talking about all this stuff is a lot of sharing. <laughs> it's a lot of information and probably more information than most people care to have. Yeah. Um, but then we're still in a spot where like somehow we're still sharing not as frequently as other people, as some people would like, because we have a partner who shares like on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like, ultimately I just, I'm trying to work with more with Frosted about um, like when we share stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, we don't control them or what they do. Like they're their own business and they can do their marketing and serve their customers in whatever the way they feel is best. Um, yeah, so and it, people just, I think, uh, if there's anyone who's listening, who's like, it's grumpy that they hear stuff about frosted first, just know that that's not because we're holding it back. It's just that they were able to beat us to it because of the pace of their information, uh, sharing, which is daily. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we're like, we don't think that one approach is necessarily better than the other. They're most, mostly just a stylistic difference. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And um, for us, this is better. This is better for us. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously the way uh, Frosted communicates has worked really well for them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think some of the conflict just comes in because like we're working together and we have these different styles of communication that sometimes um, it can kind of cross wires. Right. And so uh, we, we thank uh, all of the, the English fans for, for their patience as they may hear some things from the German side before we're able to roll it out. But yeah, to your question, Anders, about like if I think the podcast makes people more anxious for the game. I mean, it definitely, you know, talking about the game makes people... Anticipated. Hopefully, it makes people more excited about the game, right? That's why we're doing this. (laughs) And I definitely think, I mean, like, obviously, all of you should feel free to chime in in the comments. I'd be curious to see how you feel. But I will say that, like, with the podcast, one thing I've appreciated about it is it can kind of, especially during these times of delays, keep people aware that we are here. We are working on the game. We're thinking about the game. <laughs> we want to get it in their hands, right? There's people on the other side of this who like want them to have this product. You know, I think it can often be kind of isolating to have a product get delays and delays. And because there's no nothing to update people on, yeah, very few updates get sent out. And you start wondering, like, have these people just disappeared or something? Yeah. And so having this kind of line of communication allows them to see the people on the other side and see how much we care and how hard we're working to get this done. Yeah. Interestingly, like, cause I, you know, I backed, I backed a bunch of things when we launched our Kickstarter, um, uh, just to get our numbers up <laughs> on, the, on the things that we backed. Cause that was one of the critiques. I think of what's one of some, some YouTube channel who was reviewing our Kickstarter is like, Oh, why haven't they backed anything? I'm like, all right, I'll back some stuff. Oh, um, interesting. They want, yeah, they yeah, want Kickstarter. Uh, starter projects to also back other projects yeah yeah that was you know just one of those things like oh i want it mm. they want support but they've never supported anybody else mm. um interesting yeah you know yeah. which uh was really only true because i created a new account i could have switched my own yeah account. i was gonna say we backed a bunch of other kickstarters on we, our own personal accounts exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. but i made a new one but anyway uh but i think what what ultimately ended up happening with it which i uh i've really appreciated is that it has helped me to see how a, a wide variety of Kickstarters handle their communication mm-hmm. and to see the different styles of communication and frequency uh, has been really educational. Um, so uh, it was, it's definitely been been worth it. Uh, I've, I've also gotten two games out of it at this point, um, out of the few that I've backed. Nice. So it's been interesting to, like, to, to your point about seeing the differences and how people react when when there's a lot of communication versus none, because there's a couple that I that I backed that uh, they've, it's it's like dead air, mm-hmm. dead air, and people are nervous. And then every once in a while, they'll show up and be like, "Oh, yeah, no, it's still happening. Don't worry." Or like one of them was <laughs> like, "I don't know where the dude is." Uh, oh yeah. yeah, stuff like that. It's like, oh sh- shit. That's bad. Who's the person saying, I don't know where the dude is? Uh, it's like whoever is working with this person. Oh, okay. like, I see. Again, it's like Kickstarter drama stuff. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a critical person that we're missing to be able to do the thing. I don't know where he is. He promised X, Y, Z. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, wow. Just sounds awful uh, uh, experience for the creator. 
<laughs> yes. honestly. Uh, but most of them are um, really good about you know monthly communications, lots of cool stuff in the in the updates. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, that's 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 been interesting. So, uh, but I don't know how many of those do like biweekly po- podcasts, and we're the only one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> well, cool. Let's 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 move on. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's answer 12 questions spread amongst five listeners. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. I, I do, is yes, that I an count. exact number? I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Some of these are doubled up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's... Right. Five listeners, 12 questions. Let's go. First one comes <laughs> one, from Stan. One good old, good old Stan. I, won, I was wondering, what is the reasoning behind the character cast being all human? In a world with new creatures, you've basically given yourself... What is that word? Tabula? Tabula rasa? Oh, okay. To start over again. Yet, you chose humans. Does the world of EBR contain other sentient races? If so, will there ever be playable ones? Jar Jar Binks type? (laughs) (laughs) You think we being friends. Um, I, well, so I think uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but Yes, there are other sentient races. Ooh. We've, we've talked about maybe being able to play as one. We have discussed it. Yeah, it would be <laughs> interesting. Um, but uh, I think, you know, the reason why it's it's humans is that um, this is a story about humanity. Like, really, mm-hmm. th- this is about us and how we've changed. And my vision for my vision for the future of humanity Um so I think it's really important to embody humans as, as part of part of this game. Um, I think if we did something like set in space, where there's more like overt aliens and stuff, like then we probably do other other species and stuff like that. But I think you know, for for rangers, um, it, it feels really important to for it for it to be humans um, because it's our it's it's a continuation of our story. Um, and you know, oh man, I almost, I almost gave, I almost said too much. Fish people. (laughs) Mermaids. Fish people. We've, we've done, uh, some world building for other stuff where we've kind of explored this kind of meta human idea. Uh, is that the right word? That meta human is more like a, that's like a subhuman, right? It's not, they're not subhumans. They're more like, um. I don't know what the right word would be. Yeah, or like genetically modified humans that become uh, less uh, obviously humans. Like um, one of the things we've talked about a lot, one of the big themes of rangers is the impact humans have had on the planet. And that's really reflected in these very kind of fantastical sci-fi concepts um, to really bring these themes to the forefront and start asking questions about you know, what is the natural world versus what is human intervention in a world where humans have become so prevalent. And so these kind of themes naturally start extending to humanity itself and to um, some of the future of ourselves and like what is what is a human and stuff like that. So we, we definitely dip our toes into this, but... I would say that Earthborn in general isn't quite the kind of setting where, you you know, it's not going to be like 
your Mass Effect or Star Trek or right, Star right. Wars, where you have a bunch of different bipedal, uh, you know, aliens that are people in rubber suits, kind of. <laughs> it's, it's not quite that kind of that yeah. kind of sci-fi fantasy setting. Yeah, right. Well, I think it should be a bear. That's a great question, though. So we can do a slash and spin of a bear man. <laughs> that'll be a, that'll be a special power yeah okay um next question from darren no this isn't this isn't darren the dependable right we have two darren this is, this is, yeah. this is, oh, darren. This is darren. why did why did we start why did we stop saying darren the dependable in the notes did he oh stop? i think i think i think cory put these in here so he just okay. didn't he, he just wrote it in cory is this i'm gonna need to talk to that guy all right darren <laughs> darren the dependable uh, because I like him. That's why I need to talk to him. Anyway, Darren the Dependable. We know that Legacy of the Ancestors is going to take place largely underground inside the Arcologies. What does that mean for terrain types in the path deck? Uh, will there will they all be one terrain type? Tunnel, for instance? Or are there several different and or new terrain types down there? Only one terrain type. We're just going to give you a single terrain deck, and that's all you play with the entire expansion. It's going to be real boring. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> In case anybody was clear on that, that was a lie. Um, one of the, the I picked up on it. Your sarcasm is coming through. Okay. Could use a little okay, work. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll really wave your hands around or something. Dripping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I think that one of the big strengths of the Rangers system is the different terrain types and how we mix and match those with the different locations to create these kind of novel experiences each time you pass through the world. So uh, don't worry, there's plenty of different terrain and like we get plenty creative with how we apply that terrain in these new areas and, and, and uh uh, to give you some new experiences and see new parts of the world that you haven't seen before, but also kind of keep that variety. And in fact, with some of the stuff, this is where I stay cryptic, but with some of the places, the things we're going, I will say that our different terrain types are even more varied than they've ever have been before. They have, they're, they're even more different than they were in the corset uh, in some well, cool ways. Yeah, there's fewer of them. So I think maybe that's part of the Part of the uh, part of that comes through, I think, is as a consequence of the design. We just have a little bit less to work with, so they're a little bit more focused, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so they need to feel, I think, more unique from one another. Whereas on the surface, it was creating a like a it was just working with a larger canvas. Um, so yeah, they're they're super cool. They're really interesting, but yeah, not more than just more than just a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was three questions. It was, could have just been one question, really. So it's a three and one from Darren. Thank you, Darren. So we're blazing through those 12 questions. Yeah. Next one from Daniel. All this talk of home ownership has got me wondering, what does home ownership look like in this Earthborn future? I love it. I love I love these kind of questions. Incorporating yeah. our dumb banter into the game <laughs> for us. That should be my job, don't you think? Um, <laughs> Step it up, Andre. Yeah, I got to um, what does home ownership look like in this Earthborn future? It appears to me that there is a fair amount of communal living situations with lots of resource sharing and a lack of traditional single family housing, like what is incredibly prominent in our time. It makes sense to me that folks would perhaps have a, an awakening of efficient and sustainable land use in this way. 
what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think he's, he's pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, this is one of those situations where I've had like lots of ideas, just kind of just percolating just enough to have an idea of like what it might look like, but not anything that we've codified or made into canon yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the way that I've seen it is that um, that you may, you'll have, I think, you know, being able to have like private space for humans is important. So it's not like everyone's living like in this big, like open room where there's just a bunch of cots or something like that, but probably larger structures that house more people, I think would be pretty prevalent or lots of like smaller structures that are close together and relatively interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also still allowing for the possibility of more reclusive uh, people to, you know, go off and, you know, do their cabin in the woods uh, and you'll encounter people like that too, or just off living by themselves and uh, have what they need. They trade with the, they trade with the settlements and, you know, come in when they need stuff, but they're most, they're pretty much um, self-sufficient. Uh but yeah, the idea is that everyone in the community works together to provide for the community. So everyone's working on, you know, getting food and repairing stuff and taking care of infrastructure and um, helping just to be there for each other uh, when people are sick or, you know, need extra extra emotional care. Like everyone's everyone's there for each other. Um, and it's pretty close, closely fit. Not like, at least in the States, where we live in suburbs where I've lived almost my entire life it's where micro feudalism. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, yeah, you have like your, your house in your yard and you might not even know the guy who lives across the street, you know, or like mm-hmm. one block down. It's not, it's not like that. Um, and the fact that there's no like mass transit or fast means of travel um, that people, you know, use regularly. You're, you're just not, most people just don't range super far. Um, which is why the Rangers are a thing is like, they're the ones who are spending all their time traveling from place to place. Whereas like, you know, in our world, you know, I drove over to Fisher's this morning. It takes me about, uh, I usually, I go a long way. I go a very slow, long way. Uh, usually takes me about like half an hour to like 40 minutes. But if I were to take the highway, it takes me about like 20 minutes. Like if, if this was the world of Earth, Earthborn Rangers, like Fisher and I would maybe see each other once a year at a festival or something mm-hmm. uh, if we were lived in the valley at this distance. Yeah, not much remote work. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so it would, it would be, it's a very different world. Um, so that community is, is far more important because that's where you're spending all your time. Are there police officers? Uh, there are um, conciliators. Which oh. are the which was one of the specialties in the um, in the core set and conciliators are the ones who help mitigate disputes mm. uh, within a community or between other communities uh, and the rangers help with that. Cool. It's less like a law enforcement officer like you might understand them today and more like a mediator or a kind of problem solver type person. Yeah, like the like the law, like the hard law, which you know. It's, pretty intense you, you have to do something pretty intense to get in serious trouble but that's where the um, the elders really come into play what if someone each, each, what if each someone... settlement has elders 
Okay. And um, the uh, they're the ones who are there in if if something really needs to be addressed in a more serious way, like, they, like judgment needs to or be judgments, Yeah, exactly. They might they might do that. But, like if a um, community member has been going around slashing people's chest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not not much chest slashing in the right. uh, Earthborn Rangers future. Right. But you know, if it were to happen, like that'd be something where they would where they would step in. Mm. Um, but uh, they might get their ch- chest slashed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm see if I can incorporate that one more time by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, no police officers per se, but also very uh, a world full of very agreeable people who are all yeah. on each other's side and don't have a lot of uh, like if you can imagine a world of people whose whose egos are not dominating their behavior right uh, and that's the goal of of knowing knowing the people you live near right yeah there would be less crime okay next question you care about them right why would you you care about them them? exactly this is my kind of utopia um all right next question from jan i assume it's jan not jan uh, in the recent episodes, I have heard that the expansion will be almost entirely done underground. This is making me worried a little bit. Will Earthborn lose its feeling of being a protector in the wilderness and dive deeply into dungeon delving stereotypes instead? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, you're going underground, so you're going to be doing, like, a little bit of dungeon delving, but, like... Just delving, though. No, yeah, no, dungeon, it's not dungeon. It's not quite the right term uh there's no prisoners down there ultimately my answer would be no we're not losing that as i said earlier one of the big themes of rangers is this dichotomy between humanity and nature and ask you know kind of asking questions about where that divide is in a future where humanity had well i guess now in this setting a past a future for us, a past for them, where humanity has so much control over nature. Where is the kind of that line between tampering, but or like letting the natural world be and stuff. And so those themes will continue. Uh, you will see plenty of the natural world, even in this expansion. Uh, we definitely explore more of the human side of the equation than we did in the core set, but the natural side of the world is still there and it's still a very important part. Yeah. And there's uh, portions of the game as well, where you'll be interacting with the, um, the original map, the Valley map too. So it's not like there, you'll be underground a lot, um, but it's pretty varied down there. We've taken a lot of liberties to do some fun stuff with a lot of locations and path sets and stuff so that it feels uh, just as interesting and varied as it does on the surface. But yeah, don't ever worry that we are ever going to do anything stereotypically. Uh, I'm, <laughs> as Fisher and almost anyone who works with me has worked with me on this project can attest, uh, I am allergic to, to, to doing things by the book uh, with this game um, in almost every way, especially narratively. So I'm always looking for a, a different take on stuff. So yeah, don't. It will never become a uh, Earthborn Rangers will never become a dungeon delving, stereotypical go and kill rats um, game. 
Sorry. Plenty of games that do that. It's my favorite kind of game. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty to play. Go yeah. play them. You What's can... your favorite rat killing game? Uh, let's see. Baldur's Gate. Yeah, Baldur's Gate's a pretty good rat killing game. Yeah, it has, it has a quest at the beginning to go kill rats in the basement. Fantastic. <laughs> literally can do that. <laughs> one of the best games of all time. It is one of the best. Well, I don't know. Baldur's Gate 2, maybe more. Okay. Than Baldur's Gate 1. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't realize that that's a D&D game, right? It is yeah. a D&D game. Okay, I didn't. I yeah, just Baldur's Gate 3 coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm pretty pumped for that. Wow. Yeah, I'm very curious to see. So I played it right when it hit early access, and obviously it was still very rough around the edges at that stage. Yeah. Uh, some friends and I have been playing Divinity Original Sin co-op, and we finished, and we were like, well, let's just roll it into the Baldur's Gate early release. And it was maybe a little too rough for us at that <laughs> stage. So I'm excited to see how far it's come since then. Yeah, I think it's only a couple weeks away. Wow. Yeah, we cool. moved it up to the beginning of August. I don't got time for that. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't either, but I'm going to make time. Baldur's Gate is one of the, like, the foundational games of my gaming life, so mm, got to cool. play it. I probably wouldn't like it. Too big. Too too much. Sure, yeah. That's not it, is gonna be, it is going to be big. <laughs> All right. Next question. T. Mittag. That's German for midday. T. Midday. As weather seems to be of high significance in the setting and game design of Earthborn Rangers, what is the weather equivalent underground? Will it be seismic, technological, ecosystem-based? Interesting. Good theories. Uh, Uh I'm going to give you a, I guess, play and find out on this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good teaser. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I won't quite, I won't reveal that one yet. I, one of them... They're both cool. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But uh, you said both. There's two. Yeah, I know. I already, I already gave out away some information. But uh, one of them, I'm came directly from very kind of strong emotional reactions I had when in similar spaces, and I think is um, uh, I'm very excited about how it feels to play, but. We won't we won't talk about exactly how they're implemented. You're gonna have to get the expansion and see for yourself. <laughs> awesome. I will say that working on the underground weather has oftentimes brought me back to a conversation that you and I had. Uh, I think right before the Kickstarter, or maybe like right after. Um, it was before uh, because um, the version of the game that I think that you played for the first time, mm-hmm. the weather was the conditions. And weather was a part of the conditions, but conditions were a thing. And uh, thematically speaking, um, weather is just more fun. Yeah. So I remember, I remember you saying to me, like, "Oh, the weather." Oh, it's just. But I really like how weather sounds. Is when you're setting up, you pick the weather. I'm like, yeah, I, I do like that. And, but then we went underground. I'm like, God damn it! Now I kind of wish they were just conditions. No, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it's still weather. I stand by what I said. Like. The the uh, problem was at that phase, we were dialing back all this naming to more generic spaces yeah, to true. make everything fit under these umbrellas, right? right Anything right. that could possibly fit under this umbrella could. But then, like, you know, instead of weather, which evokes this very specific thing that fills this slot, you just have, yeah, conditions, yeah. right? And, and that's so that's generic. Weather, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's weather. And, like, something... 
location had changed too to no, be more. No, it was landscape, and we changed it to location. Well, th- wasn't it, it? It spent some time as like a third different option. Names were just like kind of pulling back and getting. I would rather have that slot called weather and stretch the definition of weather in a yeah. couple cases than have it be this generic name that doesn't evoke an image in people's yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. So that was I stand by weather. <laughs> Yeah, it, I guess it has made it did did make us like come up with some pretty cool uh, creative stuff for the for the weather underground. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah. Already, I'm I'm just doing some research on the side here about oh, underground weather. No, about the next question. The next question. <laughs> the next question question is basically uh, also from T Mittag. Oh, we already did this research, so don't worry, Andres. Oh, you already know? Yeah. Oh, like when he was on the previous episode? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, cool. we know the number and the name, so go ahead oh. and ask the question. You knew the research I was doing. I wonder whether it's possible to get Corey on the podcast. He seems super involved in community management, and I can only speak for myself, but I would love to get to know his personal experience of the last months of production and fulfillment, if he's interested in that. And I asked him, I asked him on Discord just now, and he said he's, he's interested. He would love to do, be back on the show. And he was nice. on the show previously, which was when? Episode 12? Mm-hmm. How's your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> that is the name of the episode. That is, a, a, that is a memorable title. It was on the first bit. It's a funny bit, too. How's your mouth? I think it was like the first thing I said opening up the show. Uh, uh, nice. Feels uh, like only yesterday. I know it was probably a year ago, I'd say. Almost. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'd love to have Corey back on the podcast. Yeah, it'd be great. He's working hard on the tutorial videos right now. Uh, oh, okay. The, the first one of which you saw a cut of with voiceover. And it was it was very 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 good. Yeah, it was it great. Was so good. It was like, you know, Corey's a pro, but I and he's super talented. Does a bunch of things. Uh, and I know he, I knew he worked in video and animation, but I've never actually seen him do anything like what we were planning for these tutorial videos. So I don't know, in my mind, I was just thinking of something like super low rent and easy and just kind of, you know, kind of functional, but not amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. Like it, Is it looks video really or digital video. Or? Yeah. All 3d animated. Um, oh, uh, like, with, with, like are the cards video okay there no they're like 3d <laughs> objects yeah. in, in a oh they're 3d in, objects that's awesome yeah i uh, can't wait to see that uh and then like a, a really good, you know good soundtrack with a really good uh vo performance um man has yeah. it have, 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 is this like is there precedent for making this kind of tutorial for a tabletop game oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely. oh okay okay yeah we're um we we did some similar ones at our time in FFG, though we are sort of we're, we're formatting this one differently. Yeah. So um, yeah, like uh, yeah, the ones at FFG, I think there's kind of a performative nature to a lot of the long form, and they were very long. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think I think they ended up breaking up some of the later ones into multiple chapters, like Game of Thrones. I think they did. Yeah. Some of our card games we we would do in like like four installments or something like yeah. that. Uh, but there's like a uh, kind of like a dramatic, almost in-world reading to a lot of stuff that, that makes it I've made it to me hard to listen to. 
mm. as a learning tool. Yeah. Um, where I'd be so distracted by the voice itself that I could couldn't listen to what the voice is saying. How how dare you besmirch Bob's dramatic voice? <laughs> well, <laughs> that man did 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 work for us. Yeah, I always think of uh, like the one that always comes to mind for me is the Android Netrunner one, uh, which has like this woman doing a like a fake robot voice. <laughs> but no, imagine a big tutorial video with the someone speaking like a like Siri, Siri? <laughs> like, a, like a like an early Siri, not yeah. even like where she's more conversational now. Yeah, um, really hard to listen to, um, and that's not what you want for a tutorial video. Uh, so this one has like a really easy to listen to, really friendly voiceover. Um, Who's doing it? Uh, I want it to be a surprise. Oh. Jack Black. I'll have to guess who it is. It's not Jack. It's no one famous. <laughs> <laughs> no one famous. Uh, but lovely voice. Uh, cool. And like really um, easy to listen to and, and also not an overly pretentious script, um, which I think is is helpful. Uh, so it's nobody famous, but it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Is it you? No, it's not me. <laughs> not me. We'll... we'll, we'll We'll share once it's done mm-hmm. who it is because it's well, fun. Would I know who it is? No. Okay. No one will know who it is. <laughs> Unless you know us personally, okay. yeah. you're not going to know who it is. But there's some people listening that you want that know who's, who that is and you want it to be maybe. a surprise for them. Yeah, oh, maybe. Wow. Maybe. Okay. I'll just give um, it. So uh, uh, we're also doing them in much, much, they're going to be very, very short, uh, which was uh, something that I took away from my experience looking up. Uh, Pokemon tutorials. Hmm. So on the Pokemon website, they have a bunch of these like really, really tiny bite-sized little um, tutorials that take you through the the basics and they're really well labeled. So if you mostly have everything figured out, you just be like, oh, I want a refresher and now you do this thing. Um, you can look at the titles and then and watch it. Um, so we're doing something very similar to that where we have a, uh, there's an order that you can watch them in, but they're not, super interdependent necessarily they're all just individual concepts um that you can you can watch them in order learn how to play the game or you can just come back and review that one thing you couldn't remember um so i'm pretty excited about that this should be really helpful to people Uh, but yeah he's working on that right now or he is so hopefully be done relatively relatively soon awesome can't wait to see it yeah Maybe, maybe when they're done that's when we'll have them on that's right no, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good, good idea. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for the questions, everybody. Um, we appreciate it greatly. You've, you create the bulk of the content of this show for us. So let's move into uh, stuff we're into. Um, yeah, Andres, I've got to say, I'm looking at the show notes. I'm incredibly <laughs> curious. <laughs> just a, so my my show notes of the stuff I'm into, it just says garlic. <laughs> That's it. And I'm not just talking... one word, garlic. Andres not, into garlic. I'm not talking about the food, though. Of course, everybody loves garlic, the food. Um, but uh, I won't talk about that. Because you're a vampire. That's true. Uh, not everybody. Vampire. All right, hang on, Andres. Can I guess? Can I guess is 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 garlic a indie PC game roguelike? No, no, no roguelike. Skip Do you have cards? Me. No cards. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Good guess though. Great guess. <laughs> um, it is an indie 
game. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just I haven't really been playing my, many video games, and I liked Fisher. You said that you come to this portion of the show for my indie game recommendations, so I'm I'm gonna yeah. lean into that from now on. Um, my recommendation of the week is Garlic. If you like a twitchy uh, platformer with uh, really great character animation. So yeah, it looks like that. <laughs> looks like that end design. Uh, I think Garlic is a fun game to play for a couple days. Um, clearly made by like uh, and just came to, to. I've been wanting to play this for over a year, and it just came to Switch. That's why I got it now. Um, it's fun. It's colorful. It kind of feels at times with like the humor that it was made by like a twelve year old. I don't like that <laughs> part of it, but like the humor, the humor in there can be actually funny at times. Um, it's fun. It, it made me realize that I think I just like little short games that are just instantly fun to like maneuver a little character around the screen. And I can put it down, pick it up. I try, I try so hard to get into big games, you know, and it just doesn't feel. I don't feel that sense of fun I do when I pick up a game like Garlic. So mm -hmm. I'm going to start just like accepting that I'll never finish Red Dead Redemption 2. I'll never finish this. I'll never <laughs> okay, finish like it. Okay. Yeah, it took me a long time to finish that one. Well, I'm literally like an hour into it. I've been an hour into it. And and I also appreciate how amazing it is. But as soon as I'm just reading, reading and reading and reading some poorly written dialogue, not Red Dead, that has good dialogue, but pretty much every other game, just this is... This could have been said in two seconds, but it's like a half an hour long. Mm. They need to hire writers. That's that's my <laughs> gripe with big games. There's plenty um, available right now. Plenty of writers? Oh, writers, right. yeah. <laughs> that's true. They yeah, they're not working. Get to work. <laughs> Get to work, writers. Yeah. <laughs> um, on on the, uh, the, the small game with a little character that's fun to just jump into, did you play, have you played Minute? Yeah. That okay. was great. All right, all right, right in the title, one minute little bursts. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, my uh, Sebastian played that. He he beat it in about an hour, I think. Minute. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not, short. It's not super it's pretty, long. It's pretty short. I was trying to remember. Another great remember. little game like that. I probably mentioned it. Is a short hike. The dialogue. Yeah. Oh, yes. The dialogue is just like snappy and funny, and it just keeps it moving. Yeah. I'll accept dialogue that like that. What what if was I? Oh, just Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. That's what. Man, it's so wordy talking. Actually, I hate. Sorry, I had a lot of coffee. Um, I hate an RPGs. <laughs> RPGs. I hate the town portions of those games. I don't want to go have the blandest conversation with these characters. Just oh, play the, better games. The carrots are really popping up good this year, and blah 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 blah. I don't care about carrots, dude. <laughs> well you just gotta you gotta play games with with better writing yeah um i mean like this is probably way too deep end but like there was this uh kind of crpg style game that came out a couple of years ago called disco elysium oh yeah yeah that, like, i have been wanting to play that you know it's not how's your carrots it's like how's your socialist revolution you yeah, know? yeah yeah oh yeah I, I definitely mean to play that eventually um because i've seen i've seen uh, snippets and it sounds awesome yeah, yeah. I was totally into Tears of the Kingdom for a while. I was running around slashing people. I learned that, like, 
you can th- this really got me hooked is that the like the basic baddies like little minions there's levels to them so there's like more difficult ones and when you kill them and you collect their like horns and stuff and you fuse them to your weapons it makes them much much stronger hmm. and just that little gameplay tweak was not in the first one no. so in the first one i'm just like i don't i'm not gonna battle these dudes they're just annoying there's nothing in this for me i can make like a potion that makes me run faster maybe but anyway i was i was super into that and then i get to the town and i'm talking to all these people about this woman who's like a turning the town into like a like a like a fashion town and she's talking about how she's designing these clothes and suddenly there's like a mayoral race against this like clothing designer and the mayor it's like such a jarring difference from like running around and and killing these goblins and then like i'm supposed to be interested in like a mayoral race for like you know what i mean who comes up with it who who i I just it surprises me that people are down for all of that in the same game (laughs) some people might want that more than the fighting yeah yeah that's i think that i think that's true like you just want a little bit of like games like that especially like it kind of have something for everybody right right and that's why i think i prefer something like elden ring which just sticks to the kind of mysterious (laughs) it's just combat just combat there's a little bit of like flavor dialogue in there but it's not like scrolling through boring little storylines anyway that's yeah, my I, I think you know it's just it's just trying to create i think that is an issue with like open world games in recent memory um i'm not sure when it started but that everybody you, you talk to has something to say everyone you talk to has to have something to say yeah so that there's so much writing to do it's impossible to make it all interesting it's true. Um, I think like uh, the the pressure that a lot of open world game developers have is to just have the, just like this endless, like just vast world with that you never run out of things to do ever, and that just makes it all watered down. You know. Um, I find that people uh, that love a game like that—that's the only game they they like, right? Sure. It's like, I love Nintendo. I love Zelda. That's all I play, you know? I'd rather pay a, play a bunch of little games like Garlic. It feels really fresh, refreshing to just be like, my guy's on the left. I got to get him to the right. <laughs> Let's see if I can do that. It you know, worked for Mario. Yeah. <laughs> it should That's... work for everyone else. Hey, if you have any uh, suggestions, people, for a game like that, leave them in the comments. I want more. The Messenger. Have you played The Messenger? Oh, yeah. Love that one. And dialogue is always funny in that one. Yeah, dialogue is great. It's funny. It's hilarious. Fairly short. Yeah. That, that... Well, some of you are talking to the shopkeeper. You can go really deep, but it's hilarious. But he's oh, hilarious. that's right. It's true. Like, he's like, tell me, tell me a story. And then he'll tell you, tell you a story. Totally. Oh, I remember yeah. thinking, like, this is the first, one of the first games I thought was genuinely funny. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> um, and I just wanted to also add... Andrew and I have been talking about uh, his his beloved metal music a little bit lately, and I just wanted to share that with people. You meant you you suggested people listen to um, Rust in Peace, the Megadeth album, and I had already been sort of like, remember I talked about Tool on the podcast. I was like, I want to get, I want to listen to some other kind of heavy stuff. So I listened to that, and I love it, and it it 
had to grow on me a little bit, but it didn't take too long. Dave Mustaine, his voice. I didn't like it at first, but I kind of, I kind of really like it now. I like yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so heavy, heavy metal. It's the only thing that I think I just have a short attention span. I just want like stuff to just like hit me immediately, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it, it filled me with a lot of joy to, to, to get the message from you that you listened to it and you were into it. Like, yeah. oh my God, this is great. Oh yeah. The first great. song, especially, I, I listen to often. Um, did anybody else in the comments, did, you, did anybody else take Andrew's advice and listen to it? Curious to know that. Not that I'm aware of, yeah. So yeah, it'd be cool. Tell us now. Share their thoughts on Rust in Peace. But Tell yeah, immediately... You asked me for the, like, you know, what to, what to listen to next. And I spent a couple of days kind of, uh, weighing, weighing various options, uh, and eventually landed on Metallica's kill Em all as a, you know, foundational, mm-hmm. like if we're gonna, really going to take you on a <laughs> journey through metal, yeah. uh, I had to resist the urge of some of my other, like more, uh, I don't know, like later albums to to share with you um or more might, recent albums i guess i might prefer the later albums i like i listened to the first three tracks i think on yeah Kill you gotta get past the third one the third one's probably the weakest track on the album okay i like it it's it's cool like it's yeah it's kind of more like mo- motorhead or something like that yeah it's just you know it's like 1983 right and a lot of right. those songs were written even prior to that so uh, it's got like a punk influence i hear yeah, 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 totally. Yep. It's uh it's it's one of those like if you're gonna go on a and a musical journey through metal, it's one of those ones you should probably have as a as a base. Um I like it. Because yeah, there's other stuff that I would definitely share later, but I feel like to give you the full context of them, I'd want to give you other <laughs> more foundational bands that yeah. were that were influences for those later bands, you know? It's been a new segment. Nice. Like I appreciate Anders' it. journey through metal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll do a whole side about... podcast on, on music. Be... I'll talk about Kill Em All next time. Um, which I learned when I was looking at the Wikipedia page. It was called something crazy at first. Do you remember? Like the well, Metal Up Your Ass? Yeah, Metal Up Your Ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the cover... like, crazier than Kill Them All? <laughs> <laughs> the cover was like a toilet with like a hand sticking out. Yep. Is it out there? Can you find it? Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's actually the same album. I think that's a different album. Oh. I think it's their, I think that was their EP. Not what I read. No, okay, well, no. <laughs> the internet's probably right. <laughs> Maybe I mis- misunderstood it. Anyway, let's move on. What what is Fisher into? <laughs> what am I into lately? Yeah, I don't know. I you know we usually talk about video games and movies, and like I have. I played so few video games lately that, uh, you know, I printed out Rangers so that we can play Rangers, test Rangers physically. And so I hadn't been using TTS and I opened Steam to launch T- to launch TTS and my Steam library was like 90% update pending, you know, <laughs> oh, like yeah. that's how, that's how long it had been since I'd uh, launched Steam is like almost every game in my library had some kind of update. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't had as much time for video games lately, unfortunately. Um, so, and, and like, uh, you know, we had a, a long weekend with July 4th here in the States. 
but I spent it all with extended family, which definitely started making uh, the impending uh, parenthood feel a lot more real. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, like... When is that due? When is uh, that October 20th is, is, is our due date. Mm. Uh, yes. Though, like, I just have this suspicion, based on, like, how everything else is timed out, uh, like the ultrasounds and stuff, I think we're going to come, come in early. Uh, just, like where we our progression relative to when we were supposed to be progressed relative to the ultrasound, we've just been like a little ahead. So I think we'll probably come in before. The yeah. 20th. It's a range anyway. Yeah. It's two weeks before two weeks after is the common wisdom. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that, that started feeling way more real uh, as we like met with extended family about it and had, they kind of threw an impromptu baby shower for us. So been been thinking about that a lot. We have like the nursery mostly ready and stuff. So uh, you know, only slightly terrified. Uh, <laughs> the other kind of fun thing we did recently is um, uh, went agate hunting here in Minnesota. So agates are Minnesota's gemstone, official gemstone, I believe. They're hmm. kind of a cool layered looking rock. Um, and they're well-known, Lake Superior agates are a specific kind of agate and well-known for appearing in that region. Though, uh, as... as my story will reveal a bit more difficult to find in actual Lake Superior, but we went kind of hunting for them. Uh, we, we went up some river banks along the Lake, the Lake Superior shore looking for them. And we actually got a license to go to these gravel pits where you can kind of dig through the gravel there and look for agates amongst the, the, this gravel that's pulled from Minnesota stones. Uh, we spent the whole day out with our dog do, looking for agates and stuff and uh, came back with, we technically found a handful of agates, but <laughs> the, the ultimate goal of this, uh, I don't think I mentioned this yet right now, is our, our ultimate goal of finding these agates is we're trying to find one that we can cut into uh, Sam and I, uh, my partner, that we can cut into our wedding bands. We got married a couple of years ago, but we just have like silicone wedding bands and we want to do agate ones. That's cool. And we want to do it from the same stone, and we'd love to do it from a stone we found. Our jeweler, like, we originally were just going to use one, but our jeweler was like, no, you got to find it. And she, and so she kind of gave us a little bit of guidance, and so we went out on our own. And from that regard, it was an absolute failure. <laughs> we do not have a proper agate, but we contacted our jeweler, and we're like, okay, we're hopeless. And so she's going to take us out next week. Uh, apparently, the Mississippi River well, kind of gross is a great place to find agates. So uh, we're going to go digging in the Mississippi a bit and hopefully come out with a, a good agate for, for the wedding rings, you know, uh, pulled from the muck of the Mississippi. So romantic. Yeah, I guess it depends on where you are in Mississippi, if it's gross or not. It's, yeah. it's less gross up here than it is down. Yeah, just keep going north. In the south of uh, the, cleaner and cleaner. the country. It's, it's not bad, but like we, <laughs> we were talking about it and we're probably going to have... Uh, the jeweler says we kind of go into the lake a bit and then or into the river a bit and dig up uh, the, I don't know, sediment in, inside, inside the river to mm. like get to where agates haven't been picked over and stuff. And uh, after talking to Sam's doctor, we're going to have Sam sit safely up on the bank and not wade into the Mississippi, <laughs> even though it's cleaner up here than it is other places. Not just just for either. safety's sake. Funny. She'll watch the dog. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do the digging. <laughs> watch out for the giant catfish, too. Are there giant yeah. catfish? 
Okay. <laughs> I don't actually know. I, was, I mean, I know noodling's a thing down south, right? I, I can imagine know. there should be catfish in the Mississippi, but maybe not. There must be. Must when be. I was a kid, there were catfish around in like uh, in Wisconsin. That's pretty close to here. Right. Yeah, you think, stuff. you think there's catfish. I don't know. I don't eat those anyway. Don't want to eat a catfish. People eat them. Well, I might end up, because uh, that's how you, like, for, like, noodling and stuff, you, like, stick your hand down there, right? And uh, catfish. Yeah. So what if you, like, reach, reach into for an cat- agate? What if you, yeah, reach for an agate, reach into a catfish instead and pull the agate out of the catfish? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that would be rad. <laughs> That'd be the perfect wedding band. Yeah. yeah. Pulled right out of the catfish. Anyway, so. You use its um, eyeballs instead. Encased <laughs> <laughs> in resin. No, so, so we'll see. We'll see. Next time I should be able to report if we actually found one. But that's agate hunting and all of the baby stuff and everything. Not as many video games to recommend. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, we'll have to rely on you for video game recommendations, Anders. I remember I played a lot of games when my child was just born. Like yes. there's a lot of downtime then of where she's sleeping and you, you got to kind of be near. So mm-hmm. you should load yeah. up your library, your switch, if you have one. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, you're, you're on the verge of having like almost all your free time. Just, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah, for sure. I loved that. I loved that. Will I be playing video games or will I be sleeping? Both. Well, there's times when you can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, for me anyway, everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. Anywho. And, oh, uh, Evan, was this last week? Was that I think that's last week's stuff. Okay. Yeah. Evan's doing fun stuff, I'm sure. And then Andrew finished Finish Diablo 4. Finish Thanks for joining story. us, everybody. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what are your honestly, thoughts? That's, you that's finished kind of it. How I, I did. Well, uh, well I didn't know it was a game you could finish. finish. Right. Yeah. No, it's, 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 you can finish the plot line. You can. The credits roll. Story. You got credit roll. I did get credits. Yes, I saw credits. Uh, I'm struck continually about how similar it is to the structure of Destiny 2. Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. Because it's like, and I don't know, like, I feel I hated, like. I hated he... Destiny. Oh, really? So I thought it was boring. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Just I go and it. just blast a bunch of people away, collect a loot, go back. You just described Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Not for me. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, Go on. I can't remember if like I my my memory is really fuzzy on Diablo three, but I felt like there was when Destiny came out there was a lot of comparisons to Diablo. Yeah, um, I can I can see that the loop. the loop is is very similar. Uh, and yeah, I, I, having played um, a lot of Destiny two, uh, playing Diablo now. Now I'm comparing Diablo to Destiny. And um, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, now that you're in, so very similar to Destiny that has a campaign that you play. And when you're done with the campaign, then it then it's like now the real game starts. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the story of Diablo is fine. I was pretty confused, honestly, mm. about the characters' motivations and why things were happening and why was I my character even doing any of the things my character was doing <laughs> uh-huh. it's not super clear uh i talked to my friends though and it made more sense um i, I it's not a super engaging story uh it, it's 
I don't know. It's kind of the same. You could you could probably accidentally write it if you were to guess what the story <laughs> of Diablo Four was mm-hmm. based on other Diablos. Um, There's an evil presence in the world. There is. Real. I mean, you got to <laughs> stop it. You got to get well, rid of it. And then you do. I, I haven't I haven't played through all of four yet, but it's a little dialed back from three's kind of banana stuff, right? Like, because three got like very War of the Gods, like celestial and like it's still that there's still that it, it felt thus far it's the a shadow lot more, of that yeah that and that's like what diablo 2 was a lot more like three like got a little more warcraft in like you're kind <laughs> of you're because your players are the nephilim or whatever right you right. get a lot more elevated into these grand events whereas like to, to your point Four so far has felt a lot more like you're in the shadow of these things, like in Diablo 2. Yeah, and you're pretty much in the dark as the character, uh, as the main character throughout the entire story. Um, and the story's just kind of happening around you. But I, I thought ultimately it was pretty forgettable. Uh, but then after the campaign is done, now you're cast out into the you're cast out into the open world. Now there's all these like events and things to do. And like timed things, daily things. I don't know if there's weekly things, um, but there'll be these little timers that'll show up on the map where like this hell tide event is happening, and you have to go there and kill a bunch of things, collect the stuff that they drop, and then spend those things on the chests that are in the area before the time runs out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you might get a good item, but probably not. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's just kind of the loop. You're just going out fighting things, getting loot, and I think ultimately, it. I feel like uh, I don't know. Like I never feel like the time I spend playing that game is time well spent. Honestly, yeah. like That's it feels nice. like a big time waster. And uh, interestingly, like it might just be because I'm tired, but in a way that I've never experienced with any other game. Um, and I'm playing. I guess I'm, I'm signing on pretty late in the evening. I've been up and doing shit all day, but other games, I swear to God, I don't fall asleep while I'm playing them, but I'm constantly falling asleep while I play Diablo. Are you playing with the controller? Yeah. I, and I just sit there and just sitting on the couch. <laughs> yep. And I just, fall, then I find myself like peacefully sleeping with my head in an awkward position. And I'm oh, like, what wow. am I doing? I should just go to bed. <laughs> oh, wow. But it happens a lot. And this never happened with any other game before. So I don't know if it's the game or if it's just because I'm tired when I'm playing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's very repetitive what you do. And it doesn't take a lot of brain power. So between Andres being grumpy about open world games and you being grumpy about Diablo, this is, this is definitely turning into the old men get grumpy at video games. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not grumpy with it. No, I, I'm not. It's I'm true. not grumpy with it at all. I'm just. It's more mostly I'm grumpy with myself for like continuing to play a game where I, when I'm done with it, I'm like, why did I? Bother with that? Uh, um, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's it's mostly fun to just get together and play with friends. That's the fun part. That's what I was going to say. That was like the value that Diablo always brought to me going all the way back, right? Was like, I do agree that like, it is just kind of cyclical. It's like, it almost has this pattern and cadence to it that like, I can totally see why that would lull you to sleep yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the reason I did it was the social aspect. Right. Um, 
to be honest, like if Diablo was a completely single player experience, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it nearly as much even back in the day with Diablo 2. That might be sacrilege, but like it was my friends playing it that drew me to it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think I'm mostly done with it. Um, I'll still play with my friends if they want to get on and play, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much pretty much done doing the solo stuff because it's just not super interesting. Um, yeah, and apart from that, like I mentioned, I've been I've been going back and watching old movies every once in a while in the evening. What's the best? I, one? And some stuff I've never seen before. Like uh, I watched The Untouchables the other day. Oh yeah, uh, it's like an '80s period piece set in Kevin like, Costner, uh, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Robert De Niro as Al Capone. Uh, it's cheesy as hell. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Sean, I, Sean Connery won an Oscar for his performance and it is hammy, hammy as hell. Like there's one scene that was pretty good where I was like, Oh, this was his Oscar scene right here. Uh, uh, but the rest of it, like, it has that eight, like that '80s quality of like some '80s movies have good soundtracks, others not so much. This one is like a, it's like weird. There's a weirdness to it where it's there's a dis, there's a the, the action is not matching up correctly with the tone of the music. Like the music is like on like synths and stuff. No, it's just not emotionally correct. Okay interesting <laughs> yeah. it may have been at the time but it no longer resonates yeah is this the one is this the movie where there's the shootout with the baby carriage bouncing yes, down the stairs so dumb <laughs> i don't know i thought there was like i i haven't seen this movie since like i was young but yeah like, just time like i was like wow this is so dumb like the, the way that it's edited and blocked like the action is it's just not super well done it's like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be um mm. Because it's it's no Godfather, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird it was a weird one. So anyway, yeah, old older eighties. I've been diving into eighties and nineties movies. Diving into the not so classics. Yeah, well, Just, no, like, <laughs> Oscar Conan. winner. Oscar, yeah, Conan was one. That's one where I was like, <laughs> I remember liking that movie when I watched oh. it. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I did not like it as much the second time. <laughs> it's fine. Jason Momoa is a good he's a good looking Conan. I'll I'll give him that much. But that it's got that is, going for it. That movie's something else. All right, that's it. That's well, it. that does it, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, bye -bye. everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.